This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Lots to talk about this morning and uh, kind of an odd setup for me this morning. I've got my headset on. My my wife's got something going at work. She needed a mic stand, so I had to let her loan, I had to loan her my mic stand. So we're doing the show a little different, and it's like I feel weird not leaning into a microphone having the headset on um so uh, you know we had a conversation yesterday uh on the air about the whole dr zeus thing and about how they're they're not uh, going to publish six of his books because of some insensitive uh artwork um and you know i i kind of railed against it look I get it, you know, and I got some emails yesterday. I got a couple of emails. I got I got a text message from uh, from an old friend of mine, and uh, I was glad to hear that I'm not alone. That uh, you know there are others that think that it's strange, you know, and and kind of uh, you know it's it's the way we're going, and I everybody gets it, including me. Um, but uh, you know, you just wonder. At what point this all ends as we continue to try to erase our history and try to treat everything that has happened in history through a 2021 lens? It just, I don't know how we can do that. Uh, here's an example. Uh, here in the state of Connecticut, uh, one of the school districts, South Windsor, has decided to cut the name of Christopher Columbus from the school calendar. So now, uh, instead of having Columbus Day in South Windsor, they are going to have Indigenous Peoples Day. That's something that's been talked about for a while as we all of a sudden are going to decide that um, because of the way attitudes were and how Christopher Columbus's attitude was and so many other people in that time uh, towards Native Americans uh, and the racism involved and the cruelty involved, that we are now, because of that, we're just going to pretend that all the other stuff he did and uh, how he helped found the North American population here, the European influx of population, I should say, because obviously the indigenous people were still here. But because of that, you know, and because of the what was going back in the 15th century, we are now going to erase Christopher Columbus. That's what we're going to do. We're going to erase him. You know, we've already had so many statues torn down here in the state of Connecticut, and they're like, okay, well, we're going to pretend Columbus doesn't exist. I was really glad to see here um, down the road in New Britain, the town council or the city council voted to remove the Christopher Columbus statue uh, that's prominently displayed in town, and the mayor said, vetoed it and said, nope, don't think so, and they couldn't override or veto 
And so that's still there. Look, I get where everybody is today. And I'm not saying that people's views on that a lot of this stuff that happened in the past is wrong. We know it was wrong. We know racism is wrong. We know cruelty is wrong. We look, this country was founded on moving Native American people out of their homes so the Europeans could come in. Where you and I live right now probably was where Native Americans lived. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have the United States. Should we cancel the United States? You know, it's been recognized that we treated Native American populations badly when when settling this country, but I don't see anybody disbanding the United States of America. You know, we're being... We're, we're picking and choosing, and it's just maddening. And not only and, – and see, here's the thing. You know, now we, ha- we want to include everybody, and everybody should feel welcome in this country. I get that. You know, if you're – whether you're from, uh, you know, uh, a Latin American country, whether you're from Asia, whether you're from uh, India, you should feel welcome here. But at what point – you know, do we stop trying to appease everybody? In addition, by the way, to South Windsor uh, getting rid of uh, Columbus Day, they decided to add a, another day to the school calendar called uh, Diwali, which is um, celebrated by Hindus. To And it's meant to mark a triumph of light over darkness. And so that's going to be a day off of school in South Windsor. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Diwali. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the Hindu religion. But at what point, I mean, look, you know, are we going to start taking everybody's religion and everybody's beliefs into account and start having days off for everything? Where does it stop? You know, what if we decide one day that uh, the Catholics were all wrong and are we going to cancel Christmas? I mean, I, I just don't, I don't get it. You know, look, I, why can't we just agree that in 2021, we are not going to be racist. We are not going to have racism. We are not going to make fun of other cultures. We are not going to discriminate based on somebody's sexual orientation or the way they wear their hair. Oh, yeah, that's another thing we've done in the state of Connecticut. We just passed a law uh, so that you can't be discriminated against because of your hair because apparently uh, that was happening to a lot of black women. I didn't even, I didn't know it was a thing. So, you know, we're, we've gotten to a point where we have to have a law saying you can't discriminate against somebody because of their hairstyle. And I'm saying to myself, I can't believe we really do that. I I guess we do. You know, I guess I am so sheltered. Well, I you know, working from home for the last you know few years, I guess I've been out of I've been out of touch. But I, you know, but at what point do we just recognize that the stuff that went on in the past was not was not necessarily the the right thing, but that it was the way society was across the globe at that time why can't we just recognize that and move on instead of trying to pretend by by making it go away by taking away Christopher Columbus statues and 
you know, by not printing Dr. Zeus books and whatever. Why can't we just agree that we don't do that going forward? It happened in the past. It is what it is, just like slavery is what it is. Why can't we just move on from that? Why do we have to continue to, to pretend or, or erase it? You know, there's so many things about history we don't even teach in classes anymore in high schools. And yet people are outraged about everything. Why can't we just teach it in our schools? Look, this is what happened in society, not just in America, but across the globe. Teach it, make sure kids understand it, and then we make sure it doesn't happen again. There's that old saying, and I have used this before, those people that forget about history are doomed to repeat it. If we continue to cancel everything so that there is no more reminders of things that might have been wrong, we are in running in danger of repeating things that happened in the past. Why can't we leave the Christopher Columbus statues there? Why can't we leave the Confederate statues there? And instead of taking them down, why can't we just put up appropriate signage that says, hey, this is what Columbus did. A great thing. You know, he came across, you know, the ocean and founded, you know, North America and, or, you know, for the Europeans. And what wh- and but this was the other th- bad things he did. Why can't we just do that? Why can't we say on the Confederate statues, this general did this for the Confederate army but the Confederate States of America uh, were fighting to try to, you know, keep the institution of slavery alive. Why can't we do that instead of canceling it? I, I just don't get it. But I thank those of you that uh, emailed me yesterday. I thank uh, uh, my friend Tom for the uh, text messages yesterday. You know, again, you know, Dr. Zeus has written some great books. Uh, you know, I read them to all my kids, uh, you know, and, and many of them, I just, I I don't, uh, you know, it's not going to make it go away. And, uh, theater, you know, Geisel who wrote the books, I don't believe was a racist. It was just, you know, it was a way for people. He, you know, one of the things they, one of the books, it's a, they portray a guy from China with, you know, slanty eyes and hold the bowl of rice and chopsticks. It was just, you know, something that was common back, you know, 50, 60 years ago. I mean, I get where people might find that offensive now. But many of his books have so many positive messages and we're going all of a sudden people are like, oh, man, Dr. Zeus, boy, he what a what a bad dude he was. Well, all right. Uh, enough of that. But uh, again, I just wanted to take a minute to thank everybody for uh, contacting me yesterday. Um, this isn't really sports, but it kind of is um, state of Connecticut, of course, with all the pandemic stuff going on and people figuring out how they're going to eat and et cetera. But we had to tackle the. Big uh, topic of sports gambling in the legislature yesterday. I really love how that's so important to our lives right now. Um, they passed a deal yesterday. They struck a deal with the Mohegan tribe that would expand gambling in Connecticut, uh, not only adding sports wagering, but also adding online gambling uh, that can go to your cell phone, from poker to the lottery. It can all be done on your cell phone. Eventually, 
maybe by the end of this year, but probably by the start of next year. You know, and we're going to have uh, – and the Connecticut Lottery, by the way, is going to operate its own sports betting and online gambling uh, that's going to compete with the uh, Mash and Tucket and the Mohegan Sun Tribes. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, gambling has become so big in this country. And, and look, if you want to gamble, it's your money. I'm not a gambler. I'm just not. I can't afford – if you can't afford to lose it, don't gamble it. You know, maybe I, you know, maybe if I was loaded, maybe maybe I would, but I don't think so. I like holding on to what's mine. That's just not my idea of fun. But be that as it may, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But to me, gambling on sports, oh, it's insane. And look, I've got a lot of friends that do it. A lot of friends that do it. And, and you know what? You could say, well, you play fantasy fantasy sports, and you know, it, yeah, but I do it for free. You know, I do it. I, there's no money involved. It's that's completely different, but we're going there. They expect that it could bring in $200, $200 million annually to the state. You know, and I keep thinking about that. It's going to bring in $200 million of tax revenue to the state for online and, and sports gambling. And yet we have people in this state that are struggling to survive. And you're like that $200 million that the state could get in that tax revenue. Boy, it could be better spent in other places, but you know, uh, if that's, you know, it's, it's your, if it's your money, if you want to do it, but, but it's just, uh, you know, we got so many other things to worry about and we're spending time worrying about sports betting, which by the way, the Mohegan tribe is on board. The Mashantucket Pequots are not, uh, that could end up in a lawsuit. I, I'm not even sure why, you know, the state has to negotiate with the tribes to begin with, uh, you know, supposedly the reservations are, sovereign nations and they can do their own thing the state should be able to do whatever they want without the 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 tribes being on board but anyway um so the state of texas has decided their governor by the way you know look i don't live in texas and i will never live in texas but i'm just gonna say (laughs) forgive me if you're listening from the state of texas your governor sounds like a moron (laughs) he just does i'm sorry but he has decided that all restrictions for the pandemic are over. There is no more. Ma- you don't have to wear a mask. Restaurants, everything. He said yesterday, everybody, everything is open 100%. Go for it. Have a good time. You know, and, and look, I get where numbers across the country are coming down, but there's still a lot of infections in Texas. Their their positivity rate is much higher than it is here in the state of Connecticut, where we're at about uh, 2.5%. And they have had, they had a massive outbreak, you know, the last few months. And yet he's like, you know, before we even have a handle on all the vaccines, right now we've gotten uh, about 10% of the population in the country vaccinated. And yet this guy's like, the pool is open. You know, seems a little premature to me. And right after Texas does it, the moron in Mississippi does the same thing. So, and look, if that's what you want to do, go for it. And here's the question I want to ask you. If they decide in the state of Texas that they are going to have a concert tomorrow inside, 30,000 people can come to this thing. Don't have to wear a mask. You can do whatever you want. Party's open. Are you going? Are you going to go? Do you feel comfortable enough 
with what your governor is saying and that, that you know, ah, go for it. You know, do you feel like you want to go? I don't think I would. You know, they're talking about uh, in the SEC in Alabama and Texas and Texas A&M that they're planning on full stadiums for the new college football season starting in August. Are you going to feel comfortable going to a full stadium? I don't think I would. Not yet. Next spring, if things, if this vaccine proves that, that the numbers continue to drop and it becomes just like the regular flu and we have a coronavirus and a flu season, you know, maybe by next spring, I would. You know, I think that what a lot of states are doing, gradually reopening here in the state of Connecticut, they're talking about lessening the limits a little bit more. Right now we're at 50% capacity. They're considering upping that a little bit, but not having a free-for-all. I think to me that sounds reasonable. But down in Texas, Texas does their own thing. Well, the South does its own thing. You know, I mean, I, I, I have, you know, stepsons living down south in Florida and North Carolina, and they're telling me, hey, look, you know, some a lot of places you go, if you are wearing a mask, people look at you like there's something wrong with you. So I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. You know, even if tomorrow Governor Lamont here in the state of Connecticut said, hey, Dunkin' Donuts Park is open, minor league baseball season has started, full capacity, have fun. I don't think I'd go. You know, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. I think, and maybe it's because I'm old. I, I, I don't know, but I just don't think it's a wise move yet. And, and you know, the governor has said, hey, the party's open. Now, how many people will take advantage of that? I don't know. But it just seems premature. It sounds uninformed, and it sounds reckless. You know, the states have the rights to do what they want. Governor, you know, the governor can can do whatever he wants, but I don't think it's a good look for the state of Texas. I don't think it was a good look for the state of Mississippi. And I hope that people are smart about it. And I hope that the decision that he has made doesn't result in a spike. We aren't at a point yet, folks, where we're on a nosedive with the number of cases in this country. It has plateaued a little bit, but it has not started to rapidly dive. It has gone down, but it, we have plateaued. We Until I start seeing things steadily over the course of several weeks going downward, I would be very, very cautious about going to things like that, you know, going to restaurants, going to sporting events. I'm not ready for that, and, and I don't, you know, and if that's what you want to do, and you believe your governor, I mean, you know, I, I wish you luck. But it just it just seems to me that 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 we're rushing things, uh, and, and I like the fact that in around Major League Baseball, you know we're looking at capacities of anywhere between ten and twenty five percent. If that is what we have for the first half of the season or so, I think that is reasonable, and I think it's great. I think it's better than what we had last year, and then maybe as we go on the course of the summer and into September, and they can increase that. I think that would be great. But I don't, I don't understand the rush. We've waited this long. What is the rush? Okay. 
Got the venting off my my chest, and now let's get to sports from yesterday. The Boston Red Sox finally won a spring training game. Means absolutely nothing. But here, here's the takeaway from yesterday. Number one, no errors. They had five errors in the game the day before that and two errors in their opening game. So they had seven errors in the first two games. No errors yesterday. Awesome. Uh, they hit the ball. Another good sign. The Red Sox with uh, four home runs yesterday. Kike Hernandez hit one. Uh, Yara Munoz hit one. Jared Duran, the young phenom that everybody thinks is going to be the Red Sox center fielder of the future, had one, and Rafi Devers hit one. It was good uh, to see Devers actually made a couple of nice plays at third base. Uh, so, you know, if you're a Red Sox fan, a lot of things to look at positive yesterday. J.D. Martinez had a couple of hits. Um, so there really wasn't anything to take away from that that was bad. Uh, Martin Perez made his first uh, appearance in the spring. Two scoreless innings. Looked good. Uh, the only thing he did wrong was uh, on the opening batter, he didn't cover first base. They ended up with an infield single because he didn't get over. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, the kid they got from the New York Yankees, um, who was coming back from an arm injury, looked good, uh, pitched a couple of scoreless innings as well. So plenty to be positive about. Ryan Weber, by the way, uh, who was part of the Red Sox disaster last year, uh, pitched the last two innings, gave up three, three hits and two runs. Did strike out four, but again, uh, got hit around a little bit. So, feeling much better about things. Uh, I think that uh, Red Sox Nation as a whole m- took a sigh of relief yesterday that it's going to be it's going to be okay. Again, these games mean absolutely nothing, but we saw positive signs. Even Alex Cora yesterday, when he was interviewed on ESPN uh, during the game, said, "You know, we need this one," and, and it and he understands that the game doesn't count in the standings, but he also understands that based on what a disaster last year was, they need something positive. They got it yesterday. So that was great. Um, now, about the broadcast, i just going to take a minute before we uh, go to commercial. Um, ESPN did the broadcast, and, you know, one of the new things they have is, you know, where they mic the players. I cannot begin to tell you how annoying that was yesterday. Um and it wasn't necessarily the idea that the players were mic'd up, but it was what the announcers, Carl Ravitch and uh, Tim Kirchin and uh, Eduardo Perez, were acting like a bunch of frat boys trying to get players to do stupid things. I mean, Brett Phillips is wearing a microphone out in center field and the three announcers are talking to him during the inning and, you know, they're getting some, you know, he's a, he's an entertaining dude. He's got a lot of personality. But they're trying to get him to do like a dance-off in the outfield while the inning is going on with Randy Arozarena. What the hell is that? That's, I mean, I was pissed. I'm like, what the, we're not, this isn't, you know, this isn't, we're not pledging a fraternity here. You know, they're interviewing him, uh, somebody else in the dugout. I can't remember who it was, another one of the Rays. And they're talking to him, and then they dared him. Hey, we dare you to go over and uh, and talk to us while you're standing next to your manager. What? The, what? How about we just ask baseball questions? If you want to ask some questions about, you know, how they handled last year with the World Series, and you know, it's great. You know, you want to, that's fine. But these guys were acting 
you know, and I, I shouldn't expect better from ESPN. ESPN has stopped being a serious news organization a long time ago. They, you know, they're all about entertainment now. And this was like something you'd see on Punked, on on MTV or something. I mean, it was like, what are you doing? You know, if you want to mic the players up, treat it like professionally. I felt what ESPN did yesterday, what those three announcers did yesterday, was very unprofessional, and it was cringeworthy. It was so cringeworthy at one point, I actually turned it off. I flipped to another channel until they were done, and I flipped back about two minutes later. I can't, you know, what are what are you doing? I know it's spring training. I know the games don't count. But that was uh, very unprofessional, very embarrassing, and for God's sakes, it needs to stop. I know if Fox has done it, you know, during uh, during games, uh, and and they did it during the All Star game, and it was fine because they're not asking guys to embarrass themselves or to do stupid things. So uh, that was, uh, and you know, it was, and I, you know, I even mentioned it on Twitter yesterday, and I don't post on Twitter a lot, but I was like, you know, I don't want to sound like the old man here, but this is just dumb. And I was nice to see I actually got some positive responses from it. I wasn't the only one that thought it was sophomoric. That's the perfect word for it. Anyway, it's 31 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Wednesday morning. A couple of programming notes. We have high school basketball coming up on uh, Sports Country tonight, 7 o'clock. It'll be Guilford High at Xavier, so we will have that for you tonight. We also have uh, girls basketball coming up tomorrow night at 5.30. So uh, high school basketball back-to-back. We also will not have a show tomorrow. Um, just wanted to make everybody aware of that now. So if uh, you normally log on first thing in the morning, I will not be here. Uh, we'll just have music up until our uh, sports programming will start at 10 o'clock. So uh, basketball tonight, basketball tomorrow, and no show tomorrow morning. So uh, that's uh, that's all the programming information I've got. A couple other things from around spring training yesterday. Uh, the Yankees uh, with a win over the Baltimore Orioles again. Who cares? Uh, things of note in that game for the Yankees. Jordan Montgomery pitched uh, through a couple of innings. You know, looked okay. Um, uh, Yankees with uh, uh, hit the ball fairly well yesterday. Eight hits in the game. A couple of hits for Glaber Torres. Uh, a couple of runs batted in for Ford. Uh, LeMayhew continues to hit well. Aaron Judge had uh, his first hit of spring training. Um, so uh, nothing uh, earth-shattering there. Uh, the Astros and the Mets, uh, the good news for the Mets, Marcus Stroman on the mound yesterday, first time he had appeared in a game in over a year because he opted out of last year, threw two scoreless innings, struck out a couple of guys. Another interesting uh, uh, guy that pitched for the Mets yesterday, Jordan Yamamoto, young kid from uh, that pitched for the Miami Marlins and was released. Uh, Yamamoto pitched two scoreless innings as well. He's a guy that has started for Miami in the past, and his first year, he surprised a lot of people, pitched fairly well, got whacked around quite a bit uh, last year, got released, and uh, but pitched two scoreless innings for the Mets. And, and uh, Blevins pitched as well, pitched a scoreless inning. So the Mets looked pretty good yesterday. They got home runs from McNeil and uh, their new center fielder, Albert Almora Jr. So uh, the Mets beat the Astros yesterday 2 nothing. Um Hunter Green. Number two prospect in the red system. 
made his first appearance in a big league spring training game. Uh, yeah, the Reds haven't seen heat like this in a long, long time. He threw 103 miles an hour. Uh, in his one inning, he hit 101, 102, and 103 in the first spring training game. Think about that. Uh, so, obviously, I mean, and look, and they've, you know, they've got, uh, you know, a long way to go as an organization. They're a bit of a mess. But uh, Hunter Green certainly looked really good. It was his first three pitches to David Fletcher. 101, 102, 103. Uh, <laughs> but now, at the same time, he got whacked around. He threw the ball hard, but he threw 30 pitches. He didn't even finish the inning. He allowed three runs, three hits, and he walked the guy. So, obviously, he can throw the ball hard. Uh, right now, he uh, needs a compass to find the plate, so uh, that's a bit of a problem. Uh, the Padres yesterday with a win over the Diamondbacks, 7-2. to uh, The only thing of note here, Fernando Tatis Jr., he of the $9 trillion contract, a grand slam home run in this one that was an absolute missile. Uh, gave a little bat flip. Had two hits in the game, and uh, including that grand slam uh, as the uh, – uh, the Padres uh, <laughs> whacked the Arizona Diamondbacks around a little bit. Uh, and the Dodgers yesterday uh, played the Giants to a 1-1 tie through seven innings. Walker Bueller made his spring training debut uh, with a couple of scoreless innings. You know, that was one thing, too, the Red Sox game yesterday. Um, because it was a nationally televised game, they played nine innings. Um, and there were no uh, nobody ran up the white flag yesterday either, which was uh, which was really good to see. Uh, but that was not the case uh, in the Texas Rangers game yesterday. Their new right-hander uh, Koei Arihara, who they got out of Japan, um, pitched two innings, but uh, was not able to get out of the innings. He wasn't able to finish either inning. Uh, he struck out Yohan Moncada with the bases loaded for the second out in the second inning, but they stopped the inning because of his pitch count. You know, and that's something that players, you know, the coaches are allowed to do this year. It's just, again, the games don't mean anything, but if you're a Chicago White Sox fan, you're going, we had the bases loaded and you're, you know, the inning's over? What? You know, and uh, uh, the same thing happened in the second inning. He wasn't able to get out of it. And, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's weird. I mean, I get it. But in the past, in spring training, you just brought in a different pitcher when the guy got to his pitch limit. I don't quite understand the thinking behind this. I really don't. Uh, they, they say it's because guys didn't pitch last year in the minor leagues. But, you know, just add a couple of extra guys. I just I don't get it. I just don't. But it, it's strange. Um, speaking of Japanese pitchers, um, the Seattle Mariners are going to be monitoring Yusei Kikuchi very closely this year. Kikuchi is the kid they signed out of Japan a couple of years ago. He's going into his third season with the White Sox or with the uh, Mariners, and uh, he hasn't been very good. Let's let's be honest. I mean, his ERA has been north of five over the two seasons. And there, his numbers were slightly better last year. And that was with a 5.17 ERA in that shortened season. The the one thing they were encouraged wa with was he was at least able to get through six innings in a bunch of his starts, which was something he wasn't able to do his first year in the league. Uh, but they're going to be watching him closely because if, uh, well, 
at the conclusion of the season, there is an option in Kikuchi's contract that uh, the Mariners have to decide what to do within three days of the end of the World Series. And if they decide to pick up that option, um, they have him through the 2025 season that will cost them $66 million. Uh, so we'll have to watch that pretty closely because, uh, as I've said, Japanese pitchers are a mixed bag in Major League Baseball. Uh, sometimes it goes well, uh, sometimes it doesn't. The Red Sox, of course, have Sawamara, the new kid they signed from Japan. Uh, he is the first Japanese player they've had on the team in five years, and you know they have had some success. Koji Uihara, of course, was their closer for a while, did well. Um, uh, they had a couple other guys. I can't remember the other reliever that they had that wore the necklace and was never looking at the plate when he threw the ball. But And, and he, he had some success for a couple of years, but then he flamed out. Hideo Nomo's had some success. Um, of course, Masahiro Tanaka with the New York Yankees. But by and large, um, Japanese pitchers have not been lights out in Major League Baseball. The, the hitters, to me, have much more success in Major League Baseball than uh, Japanese pitchers do. Um, the other thing that came out yesterday, and, and this is just, you know, this is just gross. And the fact that this guy was allowed to stay in baseball for as long as he did is amazing. Uh, new details have come out about Angels pitching coach Mickey Calloway. Now, of course, Calloway has, you know, been suspended. Um, but this is a guy that... With the allegations, the story came out in The Athletic yesterday, and you know he is accused of, of uh, making unwanted advances towards women, sending them naked pictures, uh, saying suggestive and lewd things. Information has come out that this goes all the way back to his time in the minor leagues. Uh, and it was supposedly one of the worst-kept secrets when he was the pitching coach for the Cleveland Indians, and the Indians are being accused now of covering up Callaway's behavior to the point where, you know, Callaway was known in the organization as, and excuse my language, but he was known as Dick Pick Mick. That's all you need to know. If that's how your people in your organization are referring to you, that's incredible. Um, and this has now involved Terry Francona, their manager, uh, who was the manager when Callaway was their pitching coach. Uh, there has been allegations that Francona helped cover it up. Now, Francona obviously uh, denies it, and he said that uh, – you know they're in, they're cooperating with Major League Baseball, but he said uh, it just it's just not true. It, but it's gotten so bad that Francona's own kid, his son Nick, posted on Twitter after he read the story. He posted on Twitter about it and and mentioned that he had confronted his father about it and said that the Indians are clearly in the wrong. And now, of course, Francona comes back and he's like, "Yep, I love all my." children unconditionally and he says as you could imagine that's a difficult thing to see so uh so to deal with it publicly is hurtful that's going to be a fun thanksgiving dinner at the francona household isn't it your own kid is throwing your throwing you under the bus uh that you may have been involved in a, a cover up here 
I don't know. I mean, obviously, Callaway is never going to work in Major League Baseball again. You know, I mean, he's a guy that, long-time pitching coach, very respected, uh, was hired away from Cleveland after the 2017 season to manage the Mets. He ended up getting fired after a couple of years because he wasn't very good. And, by the way, his behavior continued into New York. Um, And then he was hired on as the pitching coach for the Angels after that until everything came to light. Uh, This guy is not going to work again, but what else is going to happen? Are there going to be some repercussions to both the Mets organization and the Indians organization? And and I don't know what that means. I mean, does it mean that – I mean, if they find Terry Francona somehow knew about this and covered it up, is he going to get suspended? I'll tell you what, if they tried to do that, I think Terry Francona would probably walk away from the game. Uh, And I can't believe, by the way, knowing Terry Francona, and I've met him a couple of times, um, and everything you see and read about this guy lets you know that he is about as upfront a person as it comes. I would have a hard time believing that he covered it up. I think it's more likely that he reported it and perhaps the front office didn't do what they should have done. So maybe do they do they punish the front office? Um, do they lose a draft pick? You know, I don't know what Major League Baseball would do about this, but when you're suspending players for domestic violence and sexual harassment and things like that, well, it has to trickle down to the coaching staff. It has to trickle down to the organization. If you're going to hold players accountable, you have to hold organizations accountable if it is found that they knew about it and did nothing. So stay tuned. But it sounds like things have gotten really, really messy in Cleveland. It's 46 minutes past the hour. we got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Um, I was just looking at my Twitter feed on the uh, commercial break, and uh, Greg Popovich, by the way, the coach of the San Antonio Spurs, has uh, weighed in on the decision by the governor uh, of Texas to uh, end the mask uh, mandate. And he, Popovich, I love Popovich. He's he's and he doesn't care. But he said, you know, he said when all of a sudden we act like it's over with, and all the science tells us the opposite. You're basically saying you get infected, and you die. That's the way it goes. We got to open up. He said it's mystifying, ignorant, and ridiculous. God, I love Poppy. He is the greatest. Uh, All right, uh, basketball, college basketball tonight, UConn men. Big game tonight against Seton Hall. It is a team that beat them uh, earlier in the season back on February 6th. Seton Hall won 70-63 at Gamble Pavilion. But let's remember that was the game where James Booknight, the star for the UConn Huskies, did not play. He was out with that elbow injury. They will have Booknight tonight. Uh, This is a game that Seton Hall needs desperately. Uh, Seton Hall right now sits at, uh, I believe, 13 and 10. They are 10 and 7 in Big East play. Um, they need this win tonight. UConn is 12 and 6, 9 and 6 in Big East play. If UConn wins this game tonight, they could lock up the number three seed in the tournament. So it is a win that both teams need. But Seton Hall is desperate. Uh, if they're going to have an opportunity to make the NCAA tournament, they're going to need to beat UConn tonight, no question about it. But with book night, I feel pretty good uh, about UConn's chances. 
Uh, the latest tournament projections show UConn uh, to be anywhere between an 8 and 12 seed. CBS Sports has them listed as an, an 8 seed uh, predicted to face number 9 UCLA in the first round. I don't know how the hell they figure who they are even going to play. But uh, USA Today thinks they're going to be a 12 seed. And uh, ESPN's Joe Lenardi uh, has them in as well at uh, at a 10 seed. So, you know, we'll see. But, again, I think the uh, – I think – I think UConn wins tonight. I think with Booknight back, I think it makes all the difference. Uh, the Boston Celtics with a win last night, their third straight win. It is the first time they have won three straight since early January. It has been a nightmare for Boston lately. They got a break last night. Kawhi Leonard did not play for the Los Angeles Clippers. He was listed in the starting lineup. He was scratched before the game. He never even came out for warm-ups with back spasms. So the Celtics took advantage. They beat the Clippers last night, 117-112. Great game. I mean, it had uh, uh, 16 lead changes. Uh, it was a nip and tuck right down to the end. Uh, now, the Celtics had an 11-point lead with about four and a half minutes left. But next thing you know, all of a sudden, it's uh, a two-point game uh, after a, uh, a three-pointer. And uh, they needed a couple of free throws from Daniel Tice at the end to ice this thing. But uh, entertaining game. And now the Celtics back over 500. They're back out of the basement um, as far as the playoff seedings go. Uh, they are currently sitting as the number six seed in the Eastern Conference. Plenty of time to go, but uh, it was a good sign last night. Kemba Walker, 25 points. Uh, Jalen Brown uh, with 18. Jason Tatum had 14. Peyton Pritchard chipped in with 14. I mean, everybody kind of got involved last night. And the good news, if you're a Celtics fan, Marcus Smart, very close to coming back. He has started to practice again. There is a good chance uh, that he plays right after the All-Star break. They've got three practices planned between now and the All-Star break, and uh, I think they expect him back right after the All-Star break. And that's going to make a huge difference for the Celtics team. I mean – offensively you know you know he can hit the deep shot and you know it likes to penetrate but his defense if he is healthy and he's back what he does defensively will make a huge huge difference for the Celtics team uh big game in college basketball last night Michigan in the latest top 25 poll moved up to number two for the first time supplanting Baylor well, that didn't last long. They got absolutely drilled by number four Illinois last night, 76-53. to 53. Trent Frazier with 22 points last night, and uh, they just dismantled uh, Michigan. And Michigan's got a couple of tough ones to finish out the season. If they're not careful, that uh, number two ranking, could they could find themselves out of the top ten. Uh, they've got to play Michigan State back-to-back uh, -back games starting on Thursday night. And Michigan State is a team that's playing very well right now. And uh, that is a dangerous pair of games for a Michigan team. Uh, hockey tonight, the Boston Bruins in action. And it's going to be an interesting one. Zdeno Chara, their longtime captain, who the Celtics decided, Celtics, the Bruins decided not to re-sign. He signed on with the Washington Capitals. He is back tonight, the Capitals in town. So uh, that'll be something to watch as well. And uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins were without Sidney Crosby last night against the Flyers because he has been placed on the COVID-19 protocol list. Um, he is going to uh, be out probably for a week. 
And uh, he leads the team in scoring with seven goals and 11 assists through the first 20 games. So obviously not ideal for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That is going to do it for us here this morning. Again, no show tomorrow, so we'll be back on Friday. But I hope you can join us for high school basketball tonight, 7 o'clock. It'll be Xavier High School against Guilford. And then tomorrow night at 5.30, the Cromwell girls uh, will be playing, and we will have that one for you as well. We leave you this morning with some music from Brad Paisley, Old Alabama. Have a great day. We'll see you on Friday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.